Well, it's another chilly start to the day, Thursday morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Over the last week, we have heard a lot of different voices when it comes to education, education issues in Saskatchewan. And it remains, I would call it the forefront, I think, of people's topics of, of conversation around the water cooler. Everyone's talking about the teachers because, of course, the teachers in the province remain at an impasse. They had a one-day strike this week. Now we're being told more job action is planned for Monday. We don't know what it is yet. We don't know how long it will last. So this is is not going in the improvement direction. It, it seems to be going the other way. We've had discussions with education, policy researchers, politicians, former teachers, you name it. STF, of course, have weighed in on this. Today we have a voice that I'm very glad we're able to check in with. Premier Scott Moe joins me to add his voice to the conversation. Premier Moe, thanks so much for taking our call. Hey, thanks so much, Evan. And I don't think I've been on since uh, Christmas and the New Year. So wishing you and all your your listeners, I uh, hope they have the best Christmas and, and wishing everyone the very best in 2024. You're right. First check-in in 2024 and uh, predominantly talking about teachers. I'm, uh, well, education, I would say. I'm sure you've seen the report. Saskatchewan students scored very low when it came to reading and math scores compared to the rest of Canada. This recent report came out. The NDP are laying the blame right at your feet. You and the SAS party government. I know I've talked about this for the last couple of days. There's a lot of factors that come into play, and provincial government is one of them. What level of responsibility do you feel your government has in that? Well, I, I think the, the, the opposition is going to do what the, the opposition uh, is, is there to do, which is to uh, oppose. But what, what I would say is uh, <clears throat> this is this really speaks to the very discussion that we're having right now with our uh, our education sector and, and, and understanding there's a number of partners that need to be part of this discussion. Uh, our teachers need to be part of the discussion on uh, the outcomes that our K-12 system is providing. Our, our locally elected division boards uh, need to be part of this discussion. There's education assistance, I think, as well as parents, whether that be through our school community councils or uh, parents reaching out and, and, and uh, you know, guiding their, their locally elected divisional boards uh, along the way as well. And so the provincial government certainly, I, I think, is the fulcrum on on where that discussion can happen on, on you know, what changes might, might we be able to make to uh, improve uh, our children's results and improve our children's opportunities. The PISA scores is one benchmark that we have uh, to compare Saskatchewan students, our kids, to other Canadian students and, and internationally as well. And I would say as the whole Canada uh, doesn't do too badly um, on the PISA scores, but we have some work to do in this province. And I would say that maybe this is the time for us to look at uh, you know, both sides of that K-12 system. Look at, you know, how ready are our students uh, to enter the workforce directly, to enter our post-secondary institutions? And then also looking at, uh, you know, how ready are our teachers uh, to enter uh, the education system that I think all, all of us can agree is, is uh, you know, increasingly dynamic and, and changing. Uh, you know, the school system today is, is quite a bit different than uh, maybe when you and I went, Evan, uh, a number of years ago. We don't have to say uh, so how many years ago. And I think this is... One thing that the provincial education plan that was uh, just released, uh, I think back in November, if I'm not mistaken, starts to uh, lead uh, on this discussion from the provincial government's perspective and tries to bring all of those partners uh, to the table. That might be delayed just a little bit as we find our way through a, a bargaining, uh, find our way to a bargaining agreement with uh, the largest, uh, um, the, the largest uh, bargaining group that we have, our teachers, uh, right now. Uh, but the provincial education plan, I think, largely supports. Um, that discussion on how are we going to continually improve uh, our outcomes, and that's what it's about, is improving our outcomes and our opportunities for our kids.
So, Premier Mo, how the classroom complexities is a real big, complex challenge. It's at the heart of this set of negotiations with the teachers. Teachers are wanting it to be part of the negotiated settlement. The province is, is saying no. How do you see this issue being handled best? Well, there, there's a number of items uh, at the bargaining table that I think um, there's there's some distance between uh, where we are and where we need to get to. Um, classroom complexity is one of those, and I'll get, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but first, we need to understand that uh, Saskatchewan parents, Saskatchewan individuals, uh, we invest more in our education system than any other province across the nation. Uh, on a per capita basis, there's more dollars invested per person, per family in Saskatchewan than any other province in, in Canada. Um, you know, one of the spaces, one of the, one of the areas where we have a, a lot of distance between uh, what the government has offered and what the teachers union has offered is, is simply on wages. Uh, they're, they're at uh, 2% plus the uh, CPI that equates to about 23 and a half percent over the next four years. Uh, we just, that's, that would be borne by uh, families and individuals that are already investing more than, than any other Canadian individual or family. And so there's some distance there that we need to work on. There's also, I think, uh, some points of agreement that we need to realize as, as, uh, as, as people across this province, as, as teachers, um, and as, as politicians and those that are involved in the education sector in any way. Uh, yes, classroom complexity uh, is something that we need to work collaboratively on, not only with the, the teachers union and individual teachers, but our divisional, uh, our locally elected uh, school divisions, our school community councils, our parents, the EAs that are in our classrooms, the visiting professionals. I think you had a couple of them on uh, your program earlier this week. They all have a voice in, you know, what is best to, uh, um, what best, what supports are best to be provided uh, to improve uh, the classroom complexity to improve the outcomes for those that, you know, may have some complex uh, um, situations in their life, but also to improve the outcomes for all of the other students in the classroom as well. That's why you've seen this government invest $53 million this past year. I'm uh, about uh, six or seven of those million dollars was just in the past week or two on some programs that are providing, uh, I think will provide outcomes and provide input for teachers and all of those groups to uh uh, to participate in what they think might work and be replicated in classrooms across the province. So $53 million just this year has been provided uh, to address uh, classroom complexity in Saskatchewan, a province of 1.2 million. To compare that uh, to Ontario, uh, Ontario has invested $38 million. A province of about 14 million people uh, has invested $38 million. And so we've invested more, far more per, per person, per student uh, in Saskatchewan uh, to really ambitiously, I think, address uh, our classroom complexity and to really start moving the dial on on improving the outcomes for all of our students in all of our classrooms across the province. So, Premier Mo, the, the, I think the STF is coming out with a number of about $400 million that they think needs to be invested in. And part of the challenge they're saying is there's years where it wasn't invested. You're talking about some some recent investments that have been made. I guess where I want to go is you, you, you've talked a lot, even just this morning since we've been chatting, about the importance of consultation, hearing from teachers, hearing from executive assistants. Is that happening? I, I, I'm, I'm actually critical that I don't think it has been. I think it's happening now. I think that there are, there's, that is happening, but has the government and everyone that's been involved in the education process all along been listening and been collaborative in trying to get the voices of teachers and frontline workers in this conversation? Or is that why we're at the point we're at today? 
No, it is happening. Uh, that consultation is happening, and I, I would I would say that it needs to continue to happen. Um, every, everybody knows a teacher, including myself. You have a friend that is, uh, you know, in the classroom. I spend some time in the classroom myself. You have family members uh, that are in the classroom. There's no doubt that the, the issues that the, the, the SDF is raising, they're important issues, in particular, uh, the, the classroom complexity issue. And it's one that I think this government uh, is taking very seriously, uh, lining up and supporting our divisions and supporting our teachers with that $53 million investment uh, just this year. The, um, so that, that conversation is happening. It'll be a little bit, uh, I'm sure, very public uh, in the next uh, number of while, little while until we can find our way uh, to an agreement. And that is the intent of this government is to find our way to uh, what is a fair agreement for all Saskatchewan people that are investing in our education system and they're investing more than any other Canadian uh, region, um, but also fair for our, for our educators in the classroom. And that's exactly uh, the government's intent here. We need to continue uh, talking uh, to individual teachers across the province and continue talking to parents as well as to what are the expectations in our education system, what is fair uh, for those that are, are working and providing uh, that, that education uh, in that system. And as I said, start to look at, you know, both sides of the K-12 system. You know, are, are our children ready uh, to enter the, the workforce when they leave? Are they ready uh, to enter uh, a post-secondary uh, institute, whether that be a, a trades training uh, college or whether that be one of our, our universities in Saskatchewan or abroad? Um, and also then look at our teachers uh, as, they, as they come out of the post-secondary system. Are they ready to enter into, uh, you know, the classroom? Um, which is, as, as we say, is uh, I think everybody can understand, is, is very different today than it was, um, you know, a number of years ago. And so more conversation needs to happen in this space, but I think it has been happening. And I, I would point back to, uh, you know, what the very first um, decision I made uh, just about six years ago, actually, almost to the day of just about a month shy, um, was to add $30 million to the education system in year for educational assistance, to hire 400 educational assistants. That was the very first decision I made uh, when I became Premier uh, just under six years ago. Uh, we've done the very same this year, adding uh, $53 million uh, into our education system education system uh, post-budget uh, because of our, our growing classroom size and because of the understanding and some of the recommendations that came out of a committee uh, to address some of the complexity um, challenges that our, our teachers, our students, and our, our, our families are facing across the province. And so there's much uh, to be said for in-year funding that has been uh, provided. Um, unfortunately, it's not always there at budget time, uh, but it does come in-year. And I think it speaks to just how quickly our classrooms are changing in size and scope and, and how, uh, you know, we as a government need to support our divisions and all involved in addressing uh, the challenges that we're seeing. And we're, we're attempting to do all of that by listening. Premier Mole, a couple of things I want to make sure we get to before we're we're ending our time here. People have talked about the fact the pronoun battle, and I'm going to call it a battle, that we saw last fall. People have referred to it as political posturing, 100% political posturing. I know you would disagree with that, but that that is, a lot of the conversation we've been having focuses on that. The teachers have typically been supported by the NDP, as they are in this situation as well. Does politics cloud the way you look at this decision? Not at all. Um, the, the, uh, you're right on the, on the pronoun policy. Uh, we view that as a parental rights policy uh, that uh, parents had input with on with their um, with their elected members. And it really was formalizing a policy that was largely in place in virtually every classroom across the province for, you know, throughout time. Um, when it, and I also disagree with respect to 
uh, teachers, individual teachers aligning with one party or the other party. Uh, you know, I, I know many teachers that, you know, will vote uh, a variety of different ways over uh, the course of their, let's call it their voting career or their, their career in the classroom. Um, and rightfully so. Um, I think whoever's in government, whether whichever party's in government, needs to have a, an open ear uh, to our educators. They're doing some of the most important work uh, in our communities. That's why I think in Saskatchewan, I, I think there's a general understanding of that. And that's why I think Saskatchewan people, if you ask uh, any family or individual, I think they'd be very proud of the fact that uh, we, as, 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 uh, as society in, in this province, are investing more per capita in our education system than any other place in Canada. That's, that's politically uh, you know, irrespective of politics. And I, I think we'd, we'd all be proud of that. And we are proud of that. I'm proud of that as, as an individual. But Premier Moe, yeah. Mo, I, I want to uh, get to this before we end our chat. Sure. It's, it's an election year. There are lots of issues. I'm telling you, this new job of mine gives me a front row seat to the challenges that are out there. Um, you've got a fight going on with the the, uh, the federal government on a lot of different issues, but generally speaking, carbon tax probably at the forefront of that. Healthcare, education, two big issues in our province that are very divisive. There's a lot of opinions on, I would say, both sides, but I think there's even more than two sides to this. Are you worried in an election year that you've lost some hearts and minds of Saskatchewan people in what's a pretty important year for you? It is an important year, I think, uh, from a political perspective. Um, but most certainly, I, I think, um, you know, some of the conversations that we're seeing in Saskatchewan, whether it be on health care, whether it be on education, whether it be on the relationship that we have with the federal government, uh, which we agree with them on a, on a few items, but disagree with them largely, mostly on, on economic and environmental uh, items that they put forward that just simply are unrealistic and, and target certain areas of the of the nation in a very divisive way. And we're seeing some of that divisiveness most certainly in our communities, in our families, uh, across Canada, i say across North America, as we see uh, another election starting to unfold uh, south of the 49th parallel. Um, and so I, I think this is an important time for, for us as a, as a governing party, as a Saskatchewan party, a party that will be at the polls asking Saskatchewan people for their support so that we can continue to focus on the growth of our economy and investing uh, in those education and healthcare sectors as well as others, um, which is looking different in the future as it has uh, most certainly in the past, uh, to listen to people, uh, to listen to people when they come forward, uh, parents come forward with their expectations uh, in, in the classroom and in their schools, um, and to listen to Saskatchewan people when it comes to uh, their expectations of what the outcomes are uh, in their healthcare system. And we're uh, we're listening and we're doing all that we can to address uh, those concerns and to make those necessary investments that Saskatchewan people expect of their provincial government. And we will be talking about our record, uh, most certainly as we find our way through the summer uh, into the fall and to a provincial election in this province as we ask Saskatchewan people uh, for their support to continue with some of uh, the positives, I think, that we have seen over the last decade and a half. On that note, quick answer question, Premier Mo. I've got the sticky note on October 28th as the election date. I've heard rumblings of a spring election. Will you be sticking with that October 28th date? I'm looking for an October 28th election date. We're preparing for an October 28th election date. Uh, if I hear anything different, I'll let you know, Evan, and I would appreciate uh, if you hear anything different. Uh, maybe you'd, you'd slide me a, a phone call as well. Well, I, I, if I hear different, I would assume you would already know. So I'm going to be waiting for your call before you call me. Thanks, Premier. I appreciate uh, the time this morning. All the best uh, and, and enjoy the balmy weather uh, that has finally arrived.
Premier Scott Moe, the uh, Premier of Saskatchewan, talking about the education situation in our province. Is that going to affect them in an election year? When is the election going to be? All answers we heard from the Premier this morning. And the phone lines will now open up for you when we come back. Your chance to continue to weigh in on this education issue right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back. and Thanks for joining us this morning. Just had a good conversation with Premier Scott Moe. Some people saying, yeah. He didn't tell me what I needed to hear. Others are saying, you know what? He makes some good sense. The texts are already coming in. And that's where we're going to go next is give you a chance to to weigh in on this. What do you think needs to happen to get a resolution in this teacher strike? Where where do we need to get to? How are we going to do that? one 332 8255. The premier talked about, in fact, he talked a lot, I thought, this morning about consultation. Talking about the fact we need to hear what teachers say. We need to hear what executive assistants say. We need teacher assistants say. You know, I I mentioned, I, I questioned him on it. I said, do you think that's happening? Because I don't think it is. I don't think, I, I feel as though the consultation piece with our current government is one of the biggest downfalls. And I saw it when I was in policing, and it's a tough thing to do. It takes a lot of time. It slows down the timeline off. often. You've got a timeline of what you want to accomplish. Consultation with stakeholders slows it down. However, if you don't do it, the stakeholders don't feel like they've had a voice in it. They don't feel like they were part of the decision-making. And in the current case in front of us, you've got people on the picket line not going to work. Is that part of the problem here? Consultation is a big part of of trying to solve this for sure. The Premier clearly feels they're doing a good job of it. I'm hearing from you on a regular basis that it hasn't been happening. Teachers are, in fact, that's when we talked with Samantha Beacott, the STF president, I asked about, is a committee a possible way to solve this? And she said, we don't trust them. We've tried that before and it doesn't work. This government doesn't do that. So that's the STF clearly feels that way but then sometimes i you know i think can can we literally drop this at the feet of government and say it's their fault there are so many things especially when we're talking about math and reading scores and all of those things so this is the complex issue that you and i are going to solve in half an hour coming up shortly phone lines are open for you one 332 more on this when we come back on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, good morning and thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning. We're talking about, guess what? Education. We've been chatting about it a fair bit this week, and I appreciate every time we talk about it, the phone lines light up, the text lines jam up, 1-877-332-8255. Premier Scott Moe was just my guest for the last half an hour, and we talked about education. Of course, the Premier is saying, Look, we've got some challenges, but he's feeling like they're in a good place from a province standpoint. In fact, he spoke to the funding that they've added. Now, you know, I think, and I I got a text here too from, I think it was John, just let me look. Yeah, John in Saskatoon, you know, basically saying, you know, help me see through how much Saskatchewan is spending per student. You've got the SAS party saying they spend the most in Canada. The STF is saying the opposite. As a province and as voters, we need to know the facts. So, you know, we're doing, I've got, uh, I was just popped into the newsroom and uh, they're doing some digging on this for us. 
to to weigh into this. But, you know, I'm looking at a couple of reports that I've got here, one from the Fraser Institute, where they looked at spending per student in public schools. And they actually did a comparison between 2012 and 2020. So just prior to the pandemic. And Saskatchewan actually took a 4% dip. So a 4% decrease in spending per student. This is in public schools between 2012 and 2020. Almost every other province saw an increase, some of them almost 30% increase. It was just Saskatchewan and Alberta that saw a decrease, 4% decrease in Saskatchewan, almost a 2% decrease in Alberta in that timeline. So that to me suggests that the province hasn't done a good job of funding or maintaining at least a level of funding that you know, not only keeps up with the rate of inflation, but also addresses some of these significant challenges that we have in our schools. What do you think? What do you think needs to happen to get a resolution at the teacher strike? one 332 8255 I've got Bill on the phone from Regina. First caller through. Bill, what do you think? Uh, two things. Uh, number one is, uh, I don't believe a word that comes out of uh, Scott Moe's mouth or or that came out of Brad Wall's mouth, is these these talks we're having now, we're 10 years too late on them. They they sold us. We had great economic times here. So, but to know uh, it would have came regardless what party is in there, but it was terribly mismanaged by the South Party. Brad Wall got out at a nice time with a smirk on his face, and his business buddies were all happy. But the planning for schools, the planning for health care had to happen at the same time as the benefits that this province we're receiving in terms of growth and economic benefits, that's when the, these talks should happen, not now. There was zero planning that went into this. They were just planning to, to fill their own pockets at that time, and, and they did that. Wall got out. Now, now uh, most saying we're in talks, and we're, we're way behind. We knew we were going to have the growth in this province because of the economy, but they, they planted the seed that, it was all because of them. And then they didn't plan for it. Like we, they should have known we were going to have packed, packed hospitals and we were going to have packed schoolrooms. We knew that 10 years ago. They're planning for it now. Talk about mismanagement. Too little, too late, Bill, is what you're saying. We've, we've basically now are trying to make up for, you know, what could be 10 years, maybe more of not making the investments. And there's no way that you're able to make the investments now and catch up for that lost time. In fact, you're probably now digging even deeper in the wallet to try and make up for that lost time. Appreciate the call. one 332 8255 Phone calls continue. Rob in Govan, thanks for calling in, Rob. What are your thoughts? What do you think needs to happen to get a resolution in this teacher strike? Well, I think they have to go back and, and find out what the real problems are. You know, they talk about the complexities in the classroom. If if you asked all, if if you did a survey of all the teachers of well, what's your complexities in in your classroom? You'd get a different answer from each one. We for, we don't do tests anymore. It kind of comes back to that. We don't test. We don't do quizzes anymore. So we don't even really know how to 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 get down and maybe a little bit dirty and find out what the real problems are. Like you, you know, it, it's just a bunch of dancing around and. You know, the, the, like the, the government, to me, the government's, 
you know, they've got a they play a big role in it. They're they're responsible for a big part of this mess. The 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 school districts or school divisions, you don't even hear from them. So what you know, and if the teachers take over the 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 classroom size, like as part of their mandate, well, what's the school division like? It's to me, it's like nobody's doing their job. Mm-hmm. Do your job. Get back to the basics. Do your jobs, and uh, and learn how to how to how to basically sit down at a, a table and come to an agreement that benefits everybody. A lot of good points in there, Rob. Lots of good points. Rob's talking about the fact we got to test these kids more regularly. We got to understand where they're at. We've got to talk to teachers. Where are the school boards in this? You know, there's a lot of complexity to this, and that's I think what makes it such a challenge to try and and sort through by the way earlier this week a couple of times i've done this i talked about the fact that you know when you look at what we're dealing with in the schools when you look at the complexity in the classrooms a lot of it has to do with disruptive students that aren't able to to operate at class level so they've been moved from year to year regardless of the fact that they were at that grade level and so i i threw out there do we need to look at failing kids again well oh my gosh you would think people i I, i'll tell you right now and this is maybe a rant i don't need to get into right now but the social media stuff is out of control i don't even read social media anymore i read you know i i use instagram and, and a couple of those things to kind of communicate with people and and the show we use instagram twitter facebook for the show, they'll take little video clips of me standing blabbing on here about different things. But the comments that people put, oh, now Evan wants to bring back the strap. What? Someone someone threw that out, apparently. We were just chatting about it in a meeting yesterday. All I'm saying is standardized testing on a regular basis to give us better understanding of the challenges that kids are facing so that we can address them. Do they need special help? Do they need a support in the classroom? Is there something we can do to keep them moving along with their grade? And if there isn't, are we doing them a favor by passing them and moving them through anyway? Because maybe from grade two to grade three and three to four and so on, maybe maybe you don't notice it. But by the time they get to grade nine and they're dropping out or they're causing problems or they're suffering significant mental health and social anxiety because they haven't been done any favors along the way. You know, I'm I, again, I'm not going to read the social media comments that come out after I say that. I'm not talking about punishing children. I'm talking about helping them. And I don't think that we are. Anyway, one 332 8255 Phone lines continue to ring. Al and Regina. What are your thoughts? You're you're saying we're getting a bit of a slanted view from both sides on this question, correct? Well, I I listen to both sides, and they both make good points. Uh, it, it's clear that there probably could be some more money spent on education, but likewise on health care. And uh, my question is, where does this money come from? Because last time I looked at a provincial budget, uh, the pie chart you see, and uh, it's a few years, so I might be off a little bit here, but we're spending like 75% of our tax dollars on health care and education. Mm-hmm. And the, the other 25% percent has got to cover, what, 10, 15, 20, you know, agriculture, highways, all kinds of other, other areas. So where does the money come from? So, you know, 
I, we should spend more money on all of this stuff. But again, where do we get it from? My, my yeah. last caller, Al, I don't know if you heard the last caller suggested it's, there's been some mismanagement. And had they been investing all along over the last decade, we wouldn't be in the position we're in now. Do, do you think that's valid? No. My, my solution to this whole thing is that, uh, uh, I'll try to use proper language here, a-hole in Ottawa that prevents us from pumping our oil and selling our potash and uranium and stuff. We should be as rich as Saudi Arabia and stuff like that with all the minerals you have. And if we could do that, we'd have all the money we need for doctors and teachers and everything. But right now, I'm just saying, where where does that money come from? Right. The commodity, I mean, commodities in our province are a huge part of our economy. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, we've gone through some struggles, and, and certainly the whole climate agenda is is something that I think in some ways counterbalances that a little bit, but that, that becomes a whole other topic. one 332 8255 I do want to take a quick break, but uh, I've got lots of calls lined up. Jack, who's becoming a good friend of mine in Lumsden, we talk almost every day. He's a retired teacher, I believe, so we're going to start with Jack when we come back. But if you're calling in, you're texting in, we hope to get to you. one 332 8255 We'll be back in a second on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Well, it's a cold day with a hot topic, teachers, education. The texts and the calls continue to roll in. John and LaRange texted in saying, I'm a teacher. We are constantly testing and assessing. Monthly, we test students' math and reading levels. Twice a year, we test their writing levels. We're also assessing their math, reading, and writing daily as we work with students. We know where our students are, but that being said, if they are very low, they do pass. And that isn't our choice, unfortunately. Thanks for texting in, John. one 332 8255 All right, let's go to Jack in Lumsden. Jack, thanks for calling in. What's your thought today? Well, I'll keep it real brief, Evan. Uh, hats off for getting all the people in on your panels and the experts to come in. Uh, my suggestion is let's stop talking uh, to the government and the minister and the premier about what they're prepared to do because we're in the cycle of, and it's gone on for months, we wanted in the agreement, the teachers say, the government says you're not getting it in the agreement. We want it in the agreement. You're not getting it in the agreement. I would like your programmers to go to some best advice models in other provinces and find out the models that are working right for education. We have a strike in Saskatchewan. It's been going on with this, this uh, battle for months. Uh, what are the other nine provinces doing? Let's get somebody from B.C. or New Brunswick or somebody in here to talk about how they manage the system. Some comparative stats. We're on it, Jack. one 332 We'll go from Lumsden now to Fort Capel. John's on the line. What have you got for us today, John? Hey, how are you doing, Evan? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. That's good. Uh, I just wanted to comment on when uh, Premier Mo was talking there about how they've increased the funding um, and the highest in the nation. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to call him a liar. I am going to question, though, of those $50 million they've allocated to students in the province, how many of those millions went to private schools rather than public schools? What's the breakdown? Exactly. Yeah. I know that there's a significant amount. A quick Google search pulled up an article from May of 23 that $11.7 million went to 20 private schools. It's a good question. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. By the way, I popped into the newsroom and asked Sarah Mills, "Can we get a better, like, kind of an unbiased view of the breakdown of cost per student?" Because you know, 
this is the topic we were chatting about the premiers uh, and the province is saying their cost per student number is among the best in Canada. The STF is saying, are you kidding? It is not. So it's like anything with stats. It's very hard to find. However, the Fraser Institute did a report on this. And generally speaking, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, between 2012 and 2020, we actually see a 4% decrease in the cost per student funding. If you're using that as a measure, cost per student, a 4% decrease since 2012 to 2020. And if you take capital projects out of it, so it's all the new schools that are going up around the province in that timeline, it's actually 14.2% decrease. So I'm not convinced it's been a solid, a solid and steady investment in teaching. one 332 82 Five five, Vicky in North Battleford. What have you got for us today on this topic? So I won't. I won't uh, talk about testing because we've already spoken about that. My kids are tested daily, uh, almost too much. Uh, my concern is when we we classify uh, the diversity of the classroom as those kids who failed. We've got kids with ADHD, with autism, with multiple barriers to success, and if they're just squeaking by, they do not have support. It's only those who are really causing challenges for the teacher that there's enough resources for. And, and the teachers know it, and the special ed teachers know it, and the principals know it, and they struggle with the fact that they can't give every kid what they need to succeed to become successful citizens because we have underfunded special ed supports for these kids. So it, it's, it, it, there isn't enough funding for schools and for classrooms and for our children to learn. Certainly not enough funding for supports in the classroom is what Vicky's saying, and I appreciate you weighing in. All right, let's squeeze in one more. Jim and Regina, we've only got a bit, about a minute left. Jim, what's your thoughts? Where do you think we need to make some changes to bring about resolution in this education problem? Well, the biggest thing we have to start to look at the Department of Education. The Department of Education dictates to teachers what they have to teach, how they have to teach it, that they have to have individual programs for every single student, that meets every single need of those students. Teachers can't do it. They're, they've only got two arms and two legs. Uh, they, they are crying out saying that they need help, and the government just keeps on saying, you can't tell me what to do. Jim is exactly right in that statement. The, the teachers are crying out. They are letting us know that they need help. And they're to the, to the extent that they're trying to bargain things in their collective agreement that likely normally wouldn't be in there, like dealing with complexities in classrooms and all of these challenging things. The conversation is going to continue tomorrow. In fact, I think we've carved out the better part of an hour tomorrow morning between 9 and 10 to continue this talk on education. So keep your thoughts. If we didn't get to you today, I'm saving a lot of your texts, and we'll get those on as well. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.